Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On our latest episode, we have a spoiler-free review of Avengers Infinity War. Does Venom still have some sting? And has Westworld achieved Game of Thrones status? All this and more as we reach our next stop... The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we are back once again with the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for tuning back in to another great episode that we have for you today. And it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media. You gotta check out all the great stuff that's going on there at humanicamedia.com or their YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or their dozens of podcast channels. It's my good friend. It's the man who actually saw Avengers Infinity War. It's Josh Peterson. how that indie flick go, man? That was very good. It's just a small book. That's for the back end, my friend. You got to wait for that one. For that question. I know, I know, I know. That's the kind of little, put in that little surprise value there. But we are going to definitely talk about Avengers Infinity War. We're devoting the entire back half of the episode two Avengers Infinity War, a spoiler-free review with Josh's thoughts on the movie itself. But first, we're going to be talking about Venom, Westworld, and also Rob McCallum and Jay, Jay Bartlett stopped by to talk solo and their great Star Wars-related project, which you can support right now on Kickstarter. And if you want to go ahead and check out a further detailed thoughts on from both of them, we have a special Pop Culture Cosmos episode that just launched the other day right on our Pop Culture Cosmos channels on over 30 different podcast networks. Josh, first, though, I know you got the chance to see Venom, the new trailer that came out for the movie that's upcoming by Sony that's dealing in the Spider-Verse and all that. Share me your thoughts on Venom because, my goodness, I've got some thoughts that I really want to lay into when it comes to Venom, the movie. But you first, my friend. I'm not excited. I wasn't excited during the first trailer, and I'm not excited during this one. And seeing the whole thing come together did not, like, with with the teeth and all that and the tongue and all that, it doesn't look the way that I had expected it to look. 
they ha- in the comic books they do Agent Venom, and he basically he has a you know he has his black suit and he has like a black Spider Man suit and he's got like Punisher gear. That's cool. That would translate well into a real life scenario. But this is like the the nineteen nineties cartoon Venom. I'm not a huge fan, and it's not even that. It's the also the fact that like. It looks completely over the top. Like the, I don't know what they're trying to do. Like it looks very like gimmicky. Like he's, you know, the part of the motorcycle and he shoots the thing out of his chest and pulls the motorcycle back to him. Like that's that's like the transporter. This is, it looks like this is going to be the transporter of comic book movies. And then that whole thing in the beginning where they have to say in association with Marvel films. Like what what does that mean? Because if Tom Holland's going to have a cameo in this in this film, where does this? You know, where does this stand? And it it honestly looks like they're going to do an even worse job with this movie than they did with the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. And I actually liked the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. So I don't know, man. I'm just I'm not excited. It doesn't look like that great of a movie. And I know a lot of people are excited about it, but I think it's going to be they're going to go to the theaters, you know, in October and find disappointment. I know I would if I'm going to go see it, but right now I'm not enthused at all in seeing it. In the few scenes that I saw him as a reporter, him being Tom Hardy, who's playing the lead character in this movie, totally looked unbelievable as far as that role, as far as the intrepid reporter, so to speak, as far as you know, the investigative reporter and all that. It looked totally staged, totally fake, and I just... Really just disappointed so far from what I've seen. And then the special effects, eh, I just wasn't really impressed by it either. And when it finally came up to the CGI of becoming the full-blown Venom outfit and whatnot, well, I'll just say, if if you search out Elizabeth Banks and her Twitter account, I think that probably says it best, but it's unfortunately NSFW, so I don't really want to comment any further on that other than saying it was just not the best CGI in the world, so... I'm not exactly really enthused by it. This could be a huge misfire for Sony and the Spider-Verse as far as them trying to go ahead and expand the Spider-Man universe. This could be a serious misstep. Again, I just think it comes down to Tom Hardy being miscast in this type of role. What are your thoughts on Tom Hardy so far? Because I'm really not impressed from what I saw. I think they're trying to get him to play something outside of his depth. Eddie Brock is a very shallow character. There's not any layers to him. He's a, you know, he's a reporter and then he's got anger issues. And that's really, that's, that's it. There's nothing really, you know, tragic about him. There's some stuff in the comic books, you know, he has to fight his girlfriend and stuff like that, but that there's no like backstory that makes him interesting. You know, he doesn't have a tragedy behind him. There's nothing like that. And it, it just, there's Tom Hardy has far too many acting chops He's far too good at acting to be portraying a part like this. If they were to give him more depth, make him like a more, I don't want to say Bane-like, the whole Brooklyn accent, it doesn't work. I just, I don't believe it. And I, I don't know, man. Like, I I love Tom Hardy, but I don't think that this role's for him. But like, even more so than Tom Hardy is the guy that plays the villain. Like, he sounds like a spoiled child he doesn't even he's not intimidating he just sounds like a high school kid who's out there spending his dad's money and that's the uh the villain is just not scary to me either so i don't know man well it's supposed to be the anti-hero and that flashes on the screen when you're watching the trailer but to me it's like the anti-superhero movie and it's just it's not about really about heroes and villains in this case it's just the the shades of gray and we've seen movies that have 
delicately balanced that line and done it very well with morally gray heroes and villains and whatnot, basically bordering the line, and but still being able to pull off a great comic book or superhero adaptation. In this case, it just seems like there's nothing interesting about any of these characters. And all of them, not just Tom Hardy, looks like their character is very angry in it. And it, it's every single character does not have a fulfilling purpose in the movie, and they all seem to have anger issues, then really there's just nowhere for the audience to go or to sympathize with or to really get behind or root behind when it comes to a main character, supporting character, what have you. So I just really don't think at this point in time I see much that impresses me when it comes to Venom. And that's going to be a disappointment for Sony, which goes right back to where it started again after the success of Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, to get the Spider-Verse going, you need a Spider-Man. So Sony needs to to just work with Marvel. I know they got this contract going for Spider-Man in the MCU, but they need to work with Marvel. You know, they need to hammer out a fluent future for the character. And this is what I've always said. If you use Carnage, You'd have to have a, a, it would be a very dark movie. You'd have to have an R rating, but it would make so much money. It would just make a disgusting amount of money because Carnage is the holy grail of Spider-Man villains. And that's the one that everybody wants to see. Growing up, every kid wanted to see Carnage in the comic books, on in the cartoons, whatever it was. People wanted to see Carnage. And something big like that could potentially create interest in a uh, Spider-Verse separate of what about Miles Morales? What if he made an entry instead of what we've seen from Tom Holland's Spider-Man character? I don't know. It seems like there'd be too much going on at once. I think the MCU would need to introduce a Miles Morales Spider-Man because he's a little like less tragic than Peter Parker is. Like Peter Parker can exist in a dark Spider-Man universe, but I don't think Miles Morales could. Miles Morales is like he's he's sad, but he doesn't have the uh, the tragedies that Peter Parker did, that makes Peter Parker such an interesting character. It looks like that's going to be the case that they're going to have to throw something in there, though, that's going to make Venom more interesting, because right now what they have is not a whole lot. And like you said, if Carnage isn't going to be a part of this film, then from all aspects, it doesn't look like this is going to be a winner at this point, although things can change and hopefully they'll they'll show themselves better in the coming months, because like you said, it's coming out in October and not a lot of people are going to be excited for it. If you're going off of these first two trailers, what are your thoughts on venom? Are you excited for it or are you not? So like us share us your thoughts, pop culture, cosmos at yahoo.com also as well, pop culture, cosmos, Manica media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh, I also wanted to touch on real quick. Westworld is back up and running on HBO. It actually garnered a lot of attention as the number two show behind Game of Thrones. I want to ask you real quick your thoughts on Westworld, and do you think it can capture, or has it already captured the attention and magic now that Game of Thrones is on a, well, extended hiatus? You know, I still got to watch the show. Like, I... I've heard great things about it. I haven't had a chance to watch any of it yet, but I it's something I, I want to watch on a day where I can just watch them all. You know, it's based on the uh, Michael Crichton books, but yeah, it, it looks it looks good, man. Like it it has the drama, it has the appeal, it has all the things that made me want to go watch Game of Thrones after seeing the trailers. It's it's something that it's still fresh, it's still new, people still like it, and so it could be what carries on after Game of Thrones ends. Have you seen any of it? 
I have seen it. I am up caught up to date with it. I have seen the first episode from this season, and I did see the entire season last year. It is, at this point in time, off to a pretty good start. What I've seen so far, obviously leading from the events from last year, and I won't spoil it for you if you're going to go ahead and binge it. I will tell you, for me, though, that first season was very uneven. There were some really, really good performances and really good episodes And there were some that they just dragged and just basically could not really keep up with the excellent episodes that were there. So for me, it was a little bit uneven, but it ended pretty good. And it actually, on again, on this note, on this season, started okay with trying to go ahead and unravel exactly the carnage and and, and trying to trace back what happened the, the past since the ending of season one. So trying to unravel a mystery at this point in time which is kind of cool but it's still about all about the the androids versus the humans and that's what it ultimately breaks down to so seeing that from that perspective is still kind of interesting to me and seeing how these stories develop out in this glorified version of a theme park it still actually has some some very good moments and i'm i'm i do give it a passing grade like I said, it is very uneven for me in the first season, but there are still some good times as far as that's concerned. It hasn't achieved for me the excellence of Game of Thrones because when Game of Thrones hits a high, I don't think Westworld quite reaches that as of yet. There is shock value in the Westworld. There is a lot of adult content. There is a lot of mature content that's not withstanding. It's an HBO series. Of course, it's going to do all that type of stuff. But I will say it it doesn't quite match up yet to Game of Thrones, but that's not saying it won't down the line. So I will continue to watch the series as well and see if it does match up to what Game of Thrones has to offer or what Game of Thrones has offered fans all across the world for so many years already and will only do so for a limited time run. What are your thoughts on Westworld? Are you really enthused about the series? Are you back for season two? Is it matching your expectations or do you think it's something that's not quite yet in that Game of Thrones threshold that so many people love so much? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanicomedia, GameSource, and popculturecosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh, before we head on over to talk to Jay and Rob after the break, fill us in on what's going on with your great site known as Humanicomedia. Oh, just so much, Gerald Glassford. Thank you for asking. All three of our Marvel phase reviews are up there, so you can check that out on Topic Topicocalypse. And Super BS just dropped a Tides of Numenera episode. So if you're a fan of the holiday episode of Super BS, we jump back into the world of Numenera to play a campaign created by Eric. So if you're into that, if you like Dungeons & Dragons-type podcasts, that's definitely something you might want to check out. And then Charles is... Pumping content out like crazy on the Inside Sports podcast. There's stuff for hockey fans, stuff for football fans, and I'm sure there's stuff fans of people who like to listen to other people talk about things. Check out everything you see there at humanicamedia.com. Also as well, all those shows, Inside Sports, What About This, Super BS Gamescast, and Topicocalypse on Podbean as well, and so many other different outlets. Like I said, coming up after the break, we've got Rob McCallum and Jay Bartlett talking to us about their great project, Galaxy Hope, which you can now help support on Kickstarter. And they're also going to talk a little bit about Solo 
upcoming as well. So definitely I want to hear their thoughts on both that and their upcoming project. This is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It's been three years since we last saw these two on screen together in the hit documentary Nintendo Quest. But the guys are back, and with your help on Kickstarter, they can make film magic once again with Galaxy of Hope. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you joining us. It is, again, the Galaxy of Hope project that is now out on Kickstarter. You can contribute to it today on Kickstarter. Just look for Galaxy of Hope. And I'll tell you what, I'm just so excited that these guys are back again making film together once again. In fact, I just always love it when these two are together because it always creates for a great time. It's my good friends, the stars of Nintendo Quest, Jay Bartlett, and director Rob McCallum. But while we're here, you know, guys, I've got to slip in some pop culture topics for you. And I know I've talked to Jay in the past in regards to the upcoming solo film. Rob, I know that's something we wanted to touch on last week in the Cosmic Crossfire that you can hear pretty much every episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse when it drops each week. But I know we didn't get a chance to. So your thoughts on the upcoming solo project or solo movie, I'm sorry. Well, I I think the tale of the film might be more interesting than the film itself. For better or worse, the the letting go of directors, the the hold back of a of a poster, the almost last minute reveal of two trailers within the last three months, uh, it, it really leads one to suspect that something is going on with this production because they're handling it completely different than any other Star Wars film. So, color me intrigued, Gerald. But uh, I think there's a lot to glean from this one once the dust finally settles in the projection room. Well, I, I, I tell you what, I hope it's going to be a great film. I'm excited I for it. I hope it is too. I hope it is as well. Jay, I know you and I spoke before about it, but hearing Rob's thoughts, what, did you want to go ahead and, and maybe uh, chime in with your own opinions on this upcoming solo film? Actually, he was a lot uh, lighter on it than I thought he was going to be, so that's good. Um, I mean, I, I can't imagine being Ron Howard coming in and having to clean up that mess. Um, one of the, the early test screenings that Kathleen Kennedy saw, you know, that's when I can't even remember their names. The two guys got fired because she said that Han the guys Sol- behind the Lego movie. The Han Solo was a lot like Jim Carrey. Like there was a lot of slapsticky one-liners and. When I read that, I was like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Um, so, you know, God bless Ron Howard. He has to come in there, clean it up, use the footage that they had, I guess, that was usable and kind of write new new parts to it. Um, I'm more and more excited as it goes on, and I really like the change in marketing that Disney has done for Solo. It's it's now an undersaturation where The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens and Rogue One the merch, the trailers were released, you know, four months before. Now you're having the opposite where I think it's really putting more value to, to the Han Solo film. Uh, you can't get hardly any of the stuff anywhere. It's in lower quantities. And, you know, that's a fact. Um, 
the poster being released late, like Rob said, and, uh, you know, you're getting the TV spots every single day now, different versions of them, but I, I like it. It's, it, it builds up the excitement more instead of seeing something and you're like, okay, well, we have eight more months to go before we can see it. Now it's like, you know, only a couple months away. Jordan Morris has chimed in via text message once more. He says he hopes it's great, but his expectations are so low. Oh my goodness, that's uh, that's something special. Quite a boom. I, I read, and I don't know how credible the source was. I can't remember, but I heard that uh, Alden, whatever his last name is, got signed for three more Star Wars films. I, I read that this morning. Well, let's let's hope it's going to be a, a great film. I let's think I'm excited for it because Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character. Yes. One thing I want to ask you is that something you guys will be targeting in Galaxy of Hope? Which again, you guys can back today on Kickstarter. Just look for Galaxy of Hope on Kickstarter, and you can go ahead and back this great upcoming film project today. Jay or, or Rob, is this something that you, maybe you're going to target as far as artifacts, collectibles that maybe uh, are from, from Solo or from the last couple of Star Wars films? Well, I got to tell you, I mean, there, it's not a coincidence that we've launched our campaign today. It gives us a little over a week uh, to May the 4th, and our campaign ends uh, a week after solo premiere. So we, we are definitely hoping to ride the wave of Star Wars in the news for the next month or so. Um, it's going to be, you know, a hot topic everywhere. And if the film underperforms, then we can say, well, check out, you know, a Star Wars documentary that is great. You know, back us today. Or, you know, you like this film, then you'll like this one too. Back in as well. Get crazy. Well, definitely it is something to look forward to as far as all the great things that you guys are going to go ahead and collecting. Is there any one thing, Jay, that you hope will, will you know, that might come across your, your way as far as from a certain film or from a certain aspect, from a certain scene from, or a certain type of collectible that you, you hope maybe that's something that you can get your, your hands on as far as to go ahead and contribute towards the auction? All I will say at this point is I think I've come across one of them already. That's I'll leave it at that. I foresee Jay following in the footsteps of one of his favorite characters, Kylo Ren, and trying to hunt down a Vader helmet and put it on display or kind of have that as a nice showpiece. That would be cool because of that synergy that Jay has for that character He's, uh, he's a character that Jay dresses up as uh, when they do some cosplay events with Echo 3 Group, of course. So I really like that idea of trying to hunt down the remains of Vader uh, to include in the auction. One of the things I want to talk about with Star Wars Echo 3 is is actually, if, you know, Jay, I know you've mentioned it with us when you've appeared on our show, the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. But I know for a fact that not a lot of people out there know as much about Star Wars Echo 3 as maybe you want them to know. So tell everyone out there your your opportunity with Star Wars Echo 3, because obviously your work with that group has obviously led to something bigger with A Galaxy of Hope. Yeah, Echo 3 was my, um, I, I should say Echo 3 is my Star Wars fan group that I formed uh, just a few years ago. Just basically... I needed something different. We just came off the power tour. 
the Force Awakens was just gearing up as we were finishing the Power Tour, actually. And, and I've probably told this story on your show before, but I really identified with Kylo Ren, and I didn't know why, because you only saw the backside of him in the first trailer, didn't know anything about the character. But Rob can attest, I had a the Force Awakens Kylo Ren figure that I took with me across the country as kind of my, like, guardian. And, um... Oh, how cute. Yeah, yeah. And I had a friend of mine, Amber, that was a... She's just a wonderful cosplayer, and her and I did some shots in the forest to kind of recreate Ren and, and Ray. And it snowballed from there. We met some really great people um, and made a conscious decision that we love all Star Wars. We love all Star Wars groups. We didn't want this divide very much like Nintendo Quest. You know, we accept everybody. So we kind of formed our own group, and it just went on from there. Um, did a bunch of events you know, Blu-ray releases, uh, mall appearances, things like that. But again, it goes back to the children's hospital that day and how the direction changed. And and if I may really quickly, a a fan, I will say a fan, reached out to me today. We're actually going to um, a hospital a few hours away in Hamilton on May 4th because uh, the mother of this child named Xavier contacted us uh, in January. Um, Xavier passed away. Um, he was nine or 10 years old and, you know, he was very, very sick, but he lived basically in the hospital for the last couple of years of his life. And he had all these treatments, you know, numerous treatments weekly, monthly, all he wanted to do this boy was to get better so that he could get out of his hospital bed and put on his Kylo Ren or Darth Vader outfit to go visit the other kids. So she contacted me this morning and she's like, you know, I, I can't wait to see you guys May 4th. And we, I, I just saw the trailer for Galaxy Hope, and I actually, you know, I lost it. Like, I just broke down in tears. And, and she wanted she wanted us to know, Rob, that Xavier's with us. Those yeah. are the human stories that I'm talking yes. about. That's, that's the power of a film like this. That's the power of what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're trying to get a documentary funded so that we can film all this stuff. But when that film is done, it gets to go out there and inspire other people to do similar things and to think about things in a different way. And you can't manufacture that. It's, 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 you can't do this. And once you get a taste for helping others, especially through the thing that you love and the thing that they love, when you have that common bond, it's, it's almost like nothing else matters. And I'll tell you right now, it puts a lot of crap into perspective. You know, we complain about the weather or our phone is old or it doesn't work or, you know, we can't watch the latest sports game or whatever the thing is. We complain a, about a lot of petty crap. And then you start working with people and fans that have truly limited scopes of life by comparison. And when you can just spend time with them, not even do anything, just spend time with them and talk to them about something like Star Wars, it brightens up their day. And that's what this documentary will do. Film is forever. And that's why we want to get funded on Kickstarter. So go to Kickstarter, look for Galaxy of Hope, help us fund this documentary so we can document Jay's journey and his quest to get all these toys, memorabilia, and seek out these celebs and people that work in front of the camera and behind the camera to get them a part of this once in a lifetime auction where all the proceeds go to help the children's health foundation. So if you are a collector, if you're a cosplayer with an interesting story, these are all segments we're looking to feature as well. 
So it's not just me collecting and going out there. It's, again, like Rob said, very much in the vein of Nintendo Quest. We want to feature the collectors. We want to feature the people who dress up, who aren't necessarily in Echo 3, who who do what we do to, to help people. We want to feature them. So please reach out to me. Reach out to Rob. If you guys have a good story, if you've got a great collection that you want to, to showcase, yeah, drop us a line, please. Absolutely. And if you go on our Kickstarter page, you'll see on the bottom right underneath the rewards, there's a chance for you to reach out and message us directly. You can go there. You can, you can see that we've got three things uh, listed out there. Do you have a podcast? Do you have a website where you'd like to interview us or talk to us like we are now? Send us a message. Do you know anybody that has worked on the Star Wars films or in the films in any capacity? Send us a message. Do you have an incredible piece of Star Wars memorabilia or merchandise that you would like in the auction and or that we could possibly film in the documentary? Send us a message. I do want to give a couple shout outs to some good friends of ours who have recently become backers. Shout out to Ryan Bates, Tim Wendell, and Steve Schwarzentruber, our latest backers of, of Galaxy of Hope here. We're making a dent now in our campaign goal, and we're doing it. We're doing it, man. Once again, it is Galaxy of Hope. You can help make this happen today on Kickstarter. Just go ahead and search out on kickstarter.com. Rob, Jay, it's been a great pleasure having you on as far as as the special edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, the Pop Culture Cosmos, and the PCC Multiverse. Check us out. We're streaming online every single day on online radio and also as well twice a week available on over 30 different podcast networks if you get a chance you'll hear more updates on this project you'll hear more thoughts from rob and hopefully jay as well as we continue this kickstarter as it nears the finality of it we'll also go live as well to go ahead and hopefully thank everyone for hopefully fully funding this project so guys thanks again i appreciate it rob and jay just Truly great to have you aboard. That is, again, Jay Bartlett and Rob McCallum. They're hopefully going to be able to be working on this great project. It is Galaxy Hope, now live on Kickstarter. If you remember how great Nintendo Quest was, Missing Mom, Kitty, Origins and Evolution, and also the upcoming Power of Grayskull, if you know how great these projects have been, look out because here's another great one on the way. Guys, it's just been a great pleasure having you both on this special edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos and my best to you and hope that this project gets funded. And guys, it's been great having you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hi, my name's Ian. And I'm Chris. And we host a podcast called Dadcast Unknown. Where every two weeks we talk about being a dad and being a nerd and sometimes being a nerdy dad at the same time. We'll talk about everything from movies to comics. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes at Dadcast Unknown, uh, and also on any of your most popular podcatcher apps. Join us. Laugh with us. Make fun of us. Uh, as long as you're listening, we don't care. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. And we're back once again with the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you sticking around and enjoying the show and we will leave you no further in suspense. We're dedicating this last half hour to Avengers Infinity War. Josh has seen it. I am on pins and needles. want to hearing his thoughts on it. And definitely want to know exactly, A, if it's a good movie to watch. And also exactly some 
general parameters around it because we're going to try and keep it as spoiler free as possible without ruining it for anyone out there because we know this drops Friday originally to our podcast network. So definitely want to go ahead and make sure we try and keep it as spoiler free as possible. But we got to hear your thoughts, Josh, on it. So first off, go ahead and just give us some general thoughts and then we'll go ahead and break it down a little bit more on Avengers Infinity War. It was a good movie. It was everything that I thought it would be and more. And the Russos did a great job of throwing a lot of misdirect in. There's some stuff like in the trailers that everyone kept on like making assumptions about. And it was kind of like a red herring because it once the movie you see it in the movie, you see that they did such a clever job with editing the trailer that none of the stuff that we're all guessing about seems to happen. Overall, as far as you said the movie and they throw a lot of red herrings at you and they throw a lot of diversions at you, is there too many diversions? Does that become a problem as far as the movie is concerned or is it still entertaining? Because we've seen films that just keep constantly throwing surprises and diversions at us and we just go ahead and basically just, you know, after a while, just become numb to it. Does that happen at all? No, not really. This is the one thing that I I will give high praise to the movie for. I mean, there's a lot I'll give high praise to the movie for, but they did a good job of giving every character enough screen time without making it feel like they were rushing through it. And the movie literally picks up right after the events of Ragnarok. So you don't even, you know, you don't have to worry about those gaps. And they even go out of their way to close certain story arcs from Ragnarok, from Civil War. All the stuff that they kind of left open in previous movies, they do a good job of revisiting it and closing it. And also they do, you know, at the same time, they do a good job of moving forward. So this the cast was huge. They had a a lot and, you know, they're all off doing different things. There were some parts where like it would go from one part, one planet to another planet. And you're like, oh, how is that happening? But it, it makes sense in the end. And. You know, there, there's this thing like, how is Thanos in all of these places at once? But he's Thanos. He can, you know, he has ability to travel across the galaxy by snapping his fingers. So it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, it bothers me. You know how like there, when people, when directors do jump cuts and they go from like night to day, you know, there's a couple things in it like that. But it makes sense, though. It pulls you out of that moment, but it puts you right back into another moment that you're equally invested in. So it, it's, you know, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing either. I want to ask you this. You and I loved Blade Runner 2049. It was our pick of the year for the best film of 2017. Its main criticism was that its running time maybe was just about a little bit too long. In some cases, people thought it was really too long. This movie is a comparable time frame. In fact, two hours, 40 minutes running time, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So I ask you, is that a problem? No, it it clicked for me. That sounds like a a critic just needing to insult something. But there wasn't any part during scenes where they were all together where it felt unnecessary, where I was like, oh, this doesn't need to be in there. It all made sense. And they did a good job of elaborating on like how thor used to talk about the weapon where the weapons were made and it showed like that's cool and it shows like how the infinity gauntlet was made who made it like that's that's all stuff that needed to be in there you needed to see that for the for you know some of the things that took place in the film later on you needed all that for the film to make sense one of the things that's also mentioned because of the time frame involved is that 
some critics have out there saying it's kind of an exhausting film. Were you exhausted or totally uh, spent as far as emotionally after seeing the film, or did it invigorate you even more for seeing the next installment next year when it comes out? Uh, see, that's tough without getting into spoiler territory. Uh, just you know, general, generals, you know, keep it, keep it general. Okay, it it kept me interested, and there's a lot of things where they they did play off of audience expectations and. They're like, oh, this is going to happen. And then you're like, oh, no, that happened. And then like it ends up not being what you think it is. And then there's stuff that happens that you don't expect to happen. And it, you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. So there's a lot of emotions going on. I don't think it ran too long, though. Like, honestly, I didn't look at my watch. I didn't wonder what time it was. You know, I got out of the movie theater before 11 o'clock. And I, I'd call that a pretty decent flick. I don't know what the deal is with that, but um, I'll, I'll just you know look at some of these reviews. But no, it not, it didn't feel didn't feel too long, didn't feel too short. It felt about the right time because that's kind of what Marvel movies have started to be over two hours, sometimes barely under three hours. The three main places that has been shown in the trailers are New York, Wakanda, and the outer space realm where the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor meet up. Are these the only places that are focused on in the movie or are there more, some more, many more places that are involved? There's a lot of different planets. There's a lot of different locales. You know, you have New York and there's obviously you saw in the trailers, you have Thanos's planet and you get to see a little bit of Gamora's backstory and where she's from. And you get to see the place where the uh, dwarves forged the weapons of Asgard. You you get to go places, definitely. <laughs> You definitely get to go places. And it's, you know, like I said, that when they do, they jump between all these different places. It's like there's there's those jump cuts. But then it it's like when you what, what, how am I trying to describe this game like Game of Thrones? When you read a Game of Thrones novel, every character has a story arc. And once, you know, once the chapter's over, you go to another character. But then three or four chapters down the line, you jump back into that character story arc. That's what it is. But except it's in it's in movie form. So even when you. You lose. You're like, oh no, what happens? To this character, you jump back into a, another character arc that you're equally invested in, and they do a good job of that. And they spend just enough time in each of these locales to basically make something cool happen. Now, when it comes to as far as the relationships between some of the new characters, did you enjoy as far as all the new combinations that you ended up seeing on film, or was there anyone's? in particular that stood out that were kind of awkward and really just didn't go over very well? Or did it, as a individual who follows the comic book scene, even still to this day, is it still something exciting when you saw all these different pair-ups than even people who read comic books actually were used to seeing? It was cool seeing them all together, but it wasn't as cool as seeing how they came together and how, like, uh, I'm not going to say anything, but just, like, how they just, like, freakishly run into each other and just the shenanigans that happens from that all the characters coming together and seeing them like team up with each other it was cool obviously anything with Guardians of the galaxy is going to have a little awkwardness in it because they're just you know they're they're dumb and they're kind of aware of the fact that a lot of them are dumb and that's what makes them funny but you kind of see like to see how some of the avengers react to like the stupidity is is pretty funny but it at the same time you have to be ready for it because it creates they, there's like a lot of awkward silences, but they're there on purpose. All right. That is so far. We've got a lot of talk about again, still 
with Josh Peterson. This is our spoiler-free review of Avengers Infinity War. If you have questions for us on Avengers Infinity War that I can relate to Josh or myself or Tyler Baker, because we're going to be breaking down even more on our next week's shows with spoilers, both Josh on the Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, and Tyler Baker and I on the Pop Culture Cosmos next week. You can actually send us questions, and we'll be glad to answer them as well. When we come back, we're going to be talking a lot more about Avengers Infinity War, his thoughts on the movie, and ultimately the question that I'm going to ask him at the end, is this the best Marvel movie of them all? This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back to close out the show. This is once again the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, along with my good friend from Humanica Media and fellow host Josh Peterson. Want to thank again Rob McCallum and Jay Bartlett for stopping by and talking about their great project, Galaxy of Hope, which you can go ahead and help contribute today on Kickstarter. Josh, continuing our talk as far as Avengers Infinity War, I got to ask you, my friend, you talked about the humor as far as in the past with Thor Ragnarok and some of the other films, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, sometimes getting in the way of really what needed to be done as far as from a narrative standpoint or from a just just from a total understanding of what's going on in the film. Does the humor which I'm sure you heard plenty of in the film, does that get in the way at all as far as the actual end goal and end game is concerned as far as what the Russos wanted to go ahead and correlate to audiences as far as the narrative is concerned? No, because honestly, I will tell you this, the movie gets really dark and the humor just is in there to kind of make it not feel like it's full of despair. And they use the humor sparingly and they use it well. And it, it's the, you know, the, the type of thing, if you have personalities like that coming together, that's when the humor is, is used to kind of say like, oh, see how one group reacts to another. Or obviously in the discussing of plans, like with uh, Star-Lord and Tony Stark, I'll be completely honest, like this movie is gets really dark really fast. So it's it's not on a scale of like broody dark like DC, but it is really dark so the the comedy is placed in it's not overwhelming and it's it's done just enough kind of 
uh, it's just typical of what the Russos do. You know, Winter Soldier and, uh, you know, Captain America Civil War, they show Bucky and Falcon in, in the seat of the car. Can you move your seat up? No. It's just like little things like that to kind of keep the, the darkness at bay. Avengers Infinity War, again, we're trying to break it down as best we can with Josh Peterson without going too much into spoilers territory because I haven't even seen the film yet. I'm going to go ahead and see it by the time you listen to it, hopefully. So I can go ahead and on our Monday show, go ahead and break it down for you even more with Tyler Baker. And then again on Friday with my good friend Josh Peterson here. When it comes to Avengers Infinity War, as far as Thanos Does he come across as the biggest baddie of them all? We've seen some great villains on a couple of occasions. Like I said, Robert Redford is still the best villain to me. Red Skull with Hugo Weaving did a a pretty good job as well. Obviously, Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger was a tremendous villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel villains as a whole, though, have been substandard on many occasions. Both you and I have talked over the past couple years and in fact as we did our marvel cinematic universe breakdown on several episodes now over the past couple months we've also talked about how disappointing on several occasions the marvel villains are thanos has been someone who we've actually been seeing on glimpses of and end credit scenes and whatnot and in actually involved intertwined in some small parts in previous marvel films does he come across as the Marvel villain that you're so used to seeing in the comic books and also a Marvel villain that we were hoping that we would get as far as a big all-time baddie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? You don't love him. You don't hate him. But he is very unstoppable. He's terrifying and he thinks he's right. And that's kind of what makes a really bone-chilling villain. I don't know, there's tragedy in his past that drives him forward, and he's literally willing to sacrifice anything to get there, and that's what makes him so terrifying. You know, with the Infinity Gauntlet and the stones, like, he can do whatever he wants. That's what really makes you wonder, like, okay, what is going to happen to the Marvel Universe next? Because this movie really is a game changer. And... He enlists the help of a certain Black Order as far as some evil henchmen in this film that get set to do a lot of damage. Well, in theory, a lot of damage in the film. One of the things that I was, I've was i seen across reviews all over seems to be consistent is that even though the heroes that we've come to know get a lot of shine and get a lot of execution and also a lot of importance and, and a lot of time under the sun thanos gets a lot of time under the sun as well but the black order seems to be left out a little bit as far as explanation and as far as their involvement in the film overall is this something you notice or did you get the right amount of the black order or did you end up after you watched the film wanting to know more about the black order honestly no they're not really they they don't really give a backstory on them. You just know that they've been serving Thanos for a long time and you don't know whether it's out of fear or actual loyalty, but you know, they're good foils, but you, there's not really enough curiosity pointed towards their characters to make you wonder about who they are, what happened to them, whatever. They don't really have a lot of depth. And you know, with the exception of the girl and the, uh, the old looking dude, the, uh, they don't really get a lot of dialogue 
So it's not, it's not when, you know, when their parts over, you're not like, Hmm, I wonder what kind of story that person has. When their time is not, not on screen as far as it's going to correct. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. Like when they're done doing their thing, like there's not really a lot of curiosity about what happened, you know, what, what happened to make them want to be Thanos servant. You know, they get, they get some dialogue and you're like, they're, they're cool little set pieces. But you know, other than that, it's not really, you, you don't really care. You don't come away from that wondering about them. Would you have done more with them if you were directing it? No, because again, like you don't, you want to make sure each of the main characters gets their time on screen, gets their story. And by doing like little backstories like that, it makes everything else feel a lot more rushed. And this movie felt paced just right. And that's something, like I said, going back to what we talked about previously, as far as it being on paper, a two hour and 40 minute film. And by some measures, some people would say that might be too long of a film. You know, there have been films, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and and some of the movies there as far as extended editions and and some other films that are three hours long that we felt are just the right amount as well. So I can totally understand it from that aspect. Were the effects as far as seeing all the superheroes on screen, was the CGI, was the visual effects to your standard as far as from a Marvel film? Were they believable, and do they come across as something as spectacular as you have seen in the comic books? Yeah, it was a visual feast. It all served a purpose, and it was not nearly as bad as what was in Venom. So as long as there's lower standards to <laughs> to see, you're going to be grateful for stuff like that. No, it was it was just basically a you know Iron Man stuff looks really cool, but like it's basically just a more perfected versions of what we've seen already, and we having the history that the MCU does, we know what to expect from this. We know that they're going to put a lot of effort into their, uh, you know, their special effects and there's a lot of uh, care and craft and uh, continuity that goes into it. So they did a, they did a really good job with that. I didn't, there wasn't any, I mean, you're, you're probably referring to like the CG characters and no, like they have enough depth, but the skin colors look just real enough to um, make it seem like it's, it belongs there and that was a they, they did a really good job with that so in your impression that it really was a visual feast it really was an overall great experience for you and definitely something that you would recommend to audiences out there whether or not they're a hardcore marvel fan or whether they're just a casual audience member just wanted to check out the latest flick that's coming out and the big start basically of the summer movie season. So you say it's something that you would recommend wholeheartedly, correct? Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's a spectacle and it's, it's a fun movie and it's a sad movie. It has its typical uh, Marvel openings, you know, and then it just, it goes and goes and goes. It's, it's a, it's an entertaining movie and it it's, it's fun and it doesn't require you to, uh, think about themes or anything it's just giving you the culmination of the past 10 years of marvel films so it, it's it's good i would rec i definitely recommend it i don't know i mean i don't feel like i need to recommend it because this is going to get a lot of people going to see this movie so yeah it's uh watch it are you throwing a review up on our site yeah probably not till next week though okay fair enough this is killing me to give you this, to give you my thoughts without spoiling the movie. So I'm just like trying to put roadblocks up. 
Well, one spoiler I want you to go ahead and do. I'm just kidding when I say this, but it's kind of a spoiler. There is always an after credit scene when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, virtually almost. How many, I'm not asking you what type is in it, what's the content, how many after credit scenes are there just so everybody can get an idea so they're not waiting extensively if it's like a mid-credit scene or if it's actually the end credit scene as far as that's concerned. There's one after credit scene and it is all the way at the end. So everyone's like getting expecting the theater moving to the edge of their seats when the, uh, you know, the produced credits were done. And then they're like, oh, when the thing actually started to flow up the screen. But uh, no, it's at the very end and it's it's worth it. I, I, I think it is. It kind of bridges the gap to the next movie and at the same time gives you a little bit of insight into some characters that you have come to know and love. So I think it's worth staying to watch it. All right. At least that was was pretty good as far as a non-spoilers thing. But I just want to make sure everybody knows whether or not to stay for the end credits, if there is an end credits, and and exactly how many are there. So it is coming at the end of the actual credits. So everybody out there has to stay tuned for that. All right, my friend. It's going to come down to this. The last question I'm going to give you as far as a spoiler-free Avengers Infinity War review. You and I have already broke down our thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They can read my thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And they know exactly my list from best to worst on that. And you've pretty much already, and in no certain terms over the course of the two years we've been doing this, have also verbalized a best to worst list of your favorite to non-favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Where does Avengers Infinity War lie? on that list and is it your all-time favorite marvel cinematic universe film it's my second favorite so far because i i you know nothing's ever going to top winter soldier for me so i put infinity war right underneath winter soldier it's it has everything that i loved about all the other movies in it so i think that's what puts it so high on the list and well actually no that leads into another question because you, I first came to know you and, and first kind of all, all got together as far as friends and, and colleagues as far as from the video game aspect. But one of the first things you wanted to show me was an article you wrote while you were still at National University along with me. And it, as far as a, a really great article that you wrote extensively on the Marvel Universe, but from a comic book standpoint. As someone who has been a comic book fan all of his life, someone who has enjoyed comic books for for many, many years now, what are your thoughts as far as seeing this come to life as far as those type of epic battles, the storylines, and the things that you have seen for many years now come to fruition as far as on the big screen? Because I will tell you right now, I told my daughter today, that this for me is one of the top five films for me that I've been so excited for. It's in the top five of anticipation for me, but I can't even express how even more excited you would be as far as, as that's concerned, because you are definitely a, a much bigger comic book fan than I. So share with us as we uh, get ready to head on out your thoughts on just how important this is to you as a comic book fan. Uh, I mean, honestly, the movie's still sinking in right now, but it it was like 
all of the stuff that I've seen in the comic books, all the stuff where like the, the Avengers are teaming up with Spider-Man and Guardians and stuff like that, all the times that they've come together in the comic books and seeing what a spectacle that was, it was just like that. Like it, it was a very comic book movie. And for that, like I am super grateful because they didn't try to make it something it's not. And they put characters together that, that mesh well together and there's characters there's even like characters when they come together you're like you know that they have a history that they have not talked about on in the mcu yet but it exists in the comic book so it's kind of cool to see that and you're like oh are they going to hint at this and that it it was really cool because you know back when iron man came out i didn't think iron man was going to do that well just because it's like you know, we had Spider-Man before and the CG and like Spider-Man got better over the years, but it's still questionable. So how are they going to make that with an Iron Man movie? And then, you know, they had the whole call out to the Avengers. And like this was the this is the beginning of the end game, And like it was a spectacle. It was everything that I wanted it to be and everything that I hoped it would be. And all the big set pieces from the comic books, they're able to to bring to life without making it seem overwhelming or crowded or pointless and it everything served a purpose and the writing was really well done the cg looked good the acting was good it was the fight scenes all made sense and they were they were spectacles they're you know obviously you saw in the trailer where thanos throws the planet like that was that was cool and you know that's not even you're not even scratching the surface of all like the the cool fight scenes in this movie so yeah i'm I'm stoked, man. I was stoked. I'll probably have to see it again. My inner kid was just ecstatic during this movie. But, um, you know, and I hope that it does the same for everybody else. It's a, They've always done a good job of capturing your imagination. And I, you know, I, I hope that this movie does that for people. I hope it does for them as well. And so that pretty much concludes Josh's thoughts with his spoiler-free review. Well... Hopefully it managed to avoid any spoilers out there for you of Avengers Infinity War. If you have thoughts on the movie itself, we'd love to hear from you. Just go ahead and share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh will actually not be here for our Monday show. That's going to have Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast in the hot seat. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft, what happened with Infinity War, and how did it end up doing as far as worldwide over the weekend. We're also going to talk a lot more about The Walking Dead. I'm going to have an expert come on to next week's show. She is going to be talking to me on both the Monday and Friday episodes about The Walking Dead, about how Season 8 ended, and also what the future may hold for the series itself. We're going to have that and a lot more. Just so excited to talk about it. Summer movie breakdown. We're going to be breaking down some of our favorite movies to watch out for as well coming up next week. Just so excited for it. Josh, you know, I'm going to miss you on Monday show, but definitely going to have you back on the Friday show as always. But as we head on out, any last thoughts? I finished God of War, so we will talk about that at a later date. But, um, yeah, check out there. There's some reviews going to be up, going up here soon, so that'll be cool. Absolutely, and I know Nintendo and Xbox also reported their numbers, but PlayStation Four is still going strong here in the U.S. Contradictory a little bit to what I had said previously, 
They were kind of like on its downswing. Yeah, they're still on its downswing as far as overall what they were doing maybe two, three years ago, but they're still very strong. They still won the month of March and maybe even the month of April with God of War coming out. So definitely looking for some more great months from PlayStation 4, but also want to check in with Josh as well on the Friday episode and talk a little bit more about Nintendo's future Xbox One and so much more in the video game world because they all came out with their numbers recently. So definitely want to delve into that as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hello, Marvel Universe! The Earth Station MCU podcast is your home for all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Join our debrief as we discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, upcoming and past favorite Marvel movies, cosplay, comics history, toys, games, interviews, and all things MCU. Whether you're a hero or a villain, a new viewer, or have been reading comics since you were a kid, there's something for you on Earth Station MCU. Welcome, everyone, to part three of the Topicocalypse pod special of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is Topicocalypse, the only podcast on the internet. I'm hosting. My name is Brian Kane, PhD. It's not real. It is real. It is real it shit. Is. Uh, across from me is uh, John Peterson. John, John. Hey, John Peterson. And to my left is Big Dog. Oof, oof. What's happening? Oof. What up? Uh, Josh, what movies are in Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3? All right, you might have to correct me, big dog, here. Uh, we have... I can Google it, too. Doc- Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy. In that volume, order? I think so. Volume 2. Volume 2. Um, Black 
Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and we're still in Phase 3 right now. Civil War? Civil War's Phase 2. Is it? No, Uh, I thought Winter Soldier was Phase 2. Yeah. Pretty sure. I'm looking right now. Pretty sure Captain America Civil War is Phase 3. Oh, you're right. So hold on. So it starts with Captain America Civil War, then Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, so you're right, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp is still in it and all that stuff. So. You think Ant-Man is going to end at the end Phase 3 just like it did Phase 2? No, uh, Avengers 4 is going to. Are yep, sure? that's correct. Wait, yeah. Avengers 4 isn't going to be Phase 4? No, it's Phase 3 because Avengers 4 is the end of this era of Marvel oh, okay. films. So the theory just... is that they're all going to die and then it's all going to start over. Uh, the th- yeah, well, everyone's saying that Doctor Strange is going to be like the Tony Stark of this of the next part of the Marvel Universe. Really? Because he has, his, I like Benedict Cumberbatch. He's, no, no, he's, I do he's too. a great actor. But his like the astral plane is the next logical like universe, universal baddie possibility. Do you think it's going to be allowed to go there? Or do you think these films are going to run out of steam and they're just going to be like? They were gonna, oh, I thought they were going to go into like the galactic scale. That's so they can't yet because they don't own all the characters they need. That's true. They need to finalize this deal with Fox and they and get Fantastic galactic. Four. Yeah, yeah. And they could do like Galactus and yeah, uh, Silver, Silver Surfer. Surfer. But to answer your question, yeah, I think people are going to be burnt out. I think Avengers 4 is going to be so big that people aren't really going to care what happens next for a long time if they do it all. Right. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. It's like it's been building so much hype. And I think from a cinematic experience, there hasn't been this much hype since what, Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think boot. what they could do in the uh, in the meantime, I know they're going to venture on that but they can explore these, not, not, I wouldn't say minor characters, but like Black Panther's not a mainstream character. He's more of a a background kind of side character, but they made him a mainstream character. Racist. Racist. Sure. But um like where they're going with He like, got you. Like <laughs> like, but like where they're going with um, facts with uh with Venom. Yeah. And, and those kind of characters. That's like, like that's 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 cool. It's weird. Those little one offs saying that yeah. those exist that Venom's going to exist alongside the MCU and not in the MCU. Is that kind of like Daredevil? And the like defenders, the, yeah, but where it exists yeah. within, but they never cross paths. But Tom Holland is but they allegedly, yeah. Tom Holland's allegedly in Venom at some point. Well, he as, has to be as it's, Peter it's, Parker. It's his. It's his it, I think he'll be a. It'll be like he'll either be referenced or it'll be a small cameo or something like that. Yeah. Right, just to remind but he you. Oh, this is Spider Man. Yeah, they're, they're, but they're, they're linked. But yeah. I don't think he's going to be in the movie. It's not like co-starring. Yeah, what, what it's not going to be Venom versus Spider Man, right? Well, what would have been cool is if they used Venom and attached it to the Amazing Spider-Man and brought Andrew Garfield back. Yeah, it's possible. Mm, that well, it's kind of like how in the MCU... Sad for Emma Stone. I know. <sighs> it's kind of like how in the MCU, like, we have the mainstream movies, and then you have the Netflix stuff, which is like this is the minor characters like we are talking about. Like The Daredevil uh, series is so good. Oh, Dare, my dude, gosh. Daredevil, Punisher, Punisher, Punisher. Um, I actually kind of like the Iron Fist. And Jessica... Dude, the second season of Jessica Jones is pretty good. Just picture Jessica Jones on my computer right now. She's very attractive. She is. Um, I didn't really... It's going to sound super bad. I didn't really care for Luke Cage's character. I didn't either. I liked him in The Defenders. I didn't like Iron Fist but either. I, I thought like the later... It, the, the second half of the Iron it Fist... Took, yeah, good. it took me a few episodes again. Even it Jessica took, Jones, it, it I wasn't the biggest fan of. four and five I, episodes to get into. I liked Iron Fist better than Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Really? I like Jessica Jones better than Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Daredevil's still top, but and dude, Punisher's Daredevil, number two. Daredevil and the Punisher are definitely the top, and I, dude, I seriously... That Punisher series is so dude, good. I seriously so good. enjoyed um, The Defenders. Did you? I was you, just okay on it. They I was said, just okay on they it. They said they're not going to do that again. Why? I don't know. I guess it didn't. It wasn't that well-received with people. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. 
But um, they got to keep going on Daredevil. I think they'll keep going on Punisher. Those two are clearly. Yeah, yeah. the third season of Daredevil comes out, I think, in November. But they're doing the well, Iron Fist 2 is already coming out. So is Luke Cage. Yeah. yeah. Jessica Jones just came out. The next season of Daredevil covers the uh, story arc where Matt meets his mom. Dude, I want to see the second season of Punisher, though. Yeah. Oh, but um, but I like how like they don't um, cross over, but they do reference. Right. And I, it would be cool to eventually see them on the screen or maybe see these Netflix ones cross, have Phil Coulson be in the Netflix yeah, That's ones. what I was going to say. Like, also, it crosses... Like, tie in Agents like of Agents Shield. Of, is he still, is of he Shield. still in Agents of the Shield? Yeah, no. he's making his comeback to the big screen for Captain Marvel. Oh, but, but that's that, because it's set in the 90s, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. But um, they all... They don't interlink, but they... They do reference each other, so, so that, it keeps it, it keeps the it, continuity going. And like how, like for the Agents of Shield, I liked how the um, the events of certain movies affected the plot line of Agents of Shield. Like, uh, well, the Captain America, the Winter, the Winter Soldier, really changed yep. everything. And but I liked how it it affected the TV series. Like, yeah, it, really like, did. Like DC, like, DC's all fucked up. Yeah, Dude, don't get me started on that. Well, the the thing is, is so I remember what you're talking about because after. Um, after Hydra and everything. After Hydra, it literally the Monday after that aired, that episode was the was, aftermath. Was the aftermath of all of that? Yeah, did yeah. You, did you see? That's the, really cool. I did like that a yeah. lot. The episode that took place in the aftermath of the Dark World was just them in London cleaning up pieces yep. of yeah, that yeah, spaceship. Yeah. yeah, but I see, and I also liked how um, in uh, Agents of Shield, like minor characters did crossover. Like uh, Lady Sif was in an episode mm-hmm. of Agents of Shield. Yeah, right. She's um, in a couple. Yeah. A couple, I think Hydra people. Oh, she's hot. People uh, see, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the bald uh, guy, what's his name? Um, Mac. The guy that Falcon drops off the building in Winter Soldier. Oh. Oh, yeah. The, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's a Hydra agent. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. in there a couple times. And um, But see, see that's, a, I, that's the super smart way to do it is yep. where you interlink everything so it, and it feels It keeps connected. everybody going and keeps yeah. that story going, yeah. Um, so speaking of, we'll start with the first one. We'll just go in order. Captain America Civil War. I just rewatched this a couple days ago. What'd you think? You know, I liked it less than I liked The Winter Soldier. Well, I think we've discussed, discussed this. Yeah, but I think this, this still, Captain America Civil War still fits in my top five. All three... Captain America movies are in my top five uh, of all the Marvel movies. Uh, it was good. Then the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie fits know, in there. I, and I liked the first Captain America, but I didn't. It's not my top five. I just, Captain America is my favorite superhero. Has been forever, so I'm okay, sort of biased. I mean, yeah, it's cool. I just I feel like it was like the first Thor. It was a little bit too comic booky. Yeah, I think I think they all have to. I mean, like Harry Potter followed the same thing, where the first one was very like simple comic booky, simple story. Then it gets darker as time goes on. Because you've got to introduce and kind of get as many people on board with it as yeah. possible before you drop some deep shit. Right. The, the only time they didn't do that was really Game of Thrones, where you just start with incest. And uh, it can't. It doesn't go up from there. <laughs> we're gonna set the no, bar you, no, really you just stay low. Stay at eleven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, so we can just call always at eleven. We should do an episode about Game of Thrones before. Uh, we'll do it before the, we'll do before, before the new season, season comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Captain America: Civil War. I really liked it. Um, I, again, the Captain America movies, we've talked about this ad nauseum now at this point, but they, they're the ones that push the story the most forward. Yeah. The, and yeah. this starts, you start to see that real rift between Captain America He's kind of the anchor. Yeah, well, you see, it starts in Age of Ultron. Yes, it does start, but then it really comes to the fold to where they're you, punching each other. So as a Captain you know? America fan, would you have preferred to see uh, the third Captain America entry be more Captain America and less Avengers, or would you, do you like it the way that it was? I would rather see more Captain America because I think Captain America himself they haven't really explored his darkness yet. So, do you think it should have been Avengers Civil War? 
I think they they easily could have made that Avengers Civil War or Iron Man 4. Okay, well, then hypothetically, what would would you have made the third Captain America movie about? That's a good question. There's, uh, he doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't have a lot of like well known stories except the ones where he's either dying or being brought back to life in some way. Right. Yeah. And so maybe he just needed two. But I think they decided, Josh, like you said earlier, that Captain America was the anchor of all of this because he's like that last glimpse of like stereotypical, very, you know, all good. Like this is how we do it. And so this is going to be the focus of this universe. But then slowly everything starts at this nice pillar. Oh, he's great. Things are starting to get chipped away. And now it's like barely being held up. And that's when he's all a, this bad a, stuff well, happens. He's a fugitive now. Exactly. He's the link between the past Marvel and the future Marvel. He's the right? man out of time. Yeah, he's a man out of time. Yep. Yeah, and so there's a lot of metaphors and stuff going on there. But what did you guys think of the movie, Civil War? I liked it better than Age of Ultron. So did I. I, I liked it. It felt too busy at parts. And you I could have split it up into two movies. They could have. And also, I feel yeah. like they missed a really great on-screen opportunity to have uh, when ne- Zemo was, had the chance to bring those super soldiers to life. The other and they should have had like, a huge, like, yep. epic fight scene. And instead, it was Yeah, that was like, kind of a letdown where he just killed them. And just like, right. why, why did you bring them up in here's, the story? Right. Here's the thing. Like, it's he, like they were going to this cool place and then they just ran out of time well, or something I like right. that. Or, what I didn't understand in the movie is what was his goal? I know, his goal, goal, I know his goal was to break up the, the Avengers and stuff, but then what was the whole point of the other Winter Soldiers? You, made, like, you went through all this trouble to find this place. Because they killed just to his him. family. They never referenced that. Well, and that's what I think happened is they missed an opportunity with the villain to make him more scheming and masterminding than he was, and his story just was not fleshed out. And my, really not fleshed out. Or there's no, deleted scenes that help tell the story, but then it would have been a five-hour movie. Like, you know who's a, a decent bad guy or baddie that they totally just miffed on? He was only in the movie for, like, two seconds. At the very beginning? But, no, no, no. Was it oh. in, was in um, Age of Ultron, uh, Baron Strucker? Baron Von Strucker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, he was, he was a, like... Yeah, they a, really missed out on he's that. A le- he was, a, like, a legit, like, heir to, like, the Red Skull kind of a bad that guy. Been a, that's Hydra, a good Captain just, America. Totally right. whiffed on him. Crossbones, too, in the yep. Captain America comics, he's terrifying. He actually killed Captain America in the Civil War comic books. Yeah, they did oh, not. Yeah. Yes, yes, They did, did not yes. do well with Crossbones. Or... No, they did not. But, so my, he was good in Winter Soldier. He was. Yeah. He was my, really but Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier, I think, is the best movie of the whole yeah, thing. I think it is, too, That's the golden standard. My big critique, I like seeing Black Panther, but I guess, like, my big critique of civil war t'challa t'challa is the um i think it was stupid to have bucky kill tony stark's parents like that was just drama that didn't need to happen it felt like they were really stretching for a story i didn't mind that twist no i don't mind the twist i feel like on top of every i I know what you're saying on top of everything else that happened just to add that because at that moment then oh how convenient he reveals that and now they just fight again when they were seemingly getting along enough to solve the problem. Right. And Tony Stark's like change. It was so drastic from being like, it's like a, he smelled blood in the water and he was a shark. He was like, <laughs> yeah. And like he was, he's a funny kind of funny in age of Ultron get like getting less funny, but then it was like a light switch. And all of a sudden he was like, by the book, like by we, the need, book, we, we need to need... register everybody and all this other yeah. bull crap. Right. When, when in all of his movies by himself, he's totally gives the, the government the middle finger. Yep. And is like, screw all you guys. Like right. What I want. Is there a theory that maybe someone is controlling Tony Stark's mind? Dang. Like and that's what's causing all this, like Loki or something. Like the Kree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Uh, anyway, I have, so... I have a question real quick about the the upcoming Infinity War. Are we thinking, because we kind of saw a shift in Loki's character in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Do you... Oh, wait, I didn't see it. 
do you think that Spoilers. he is he gonna be is he gonna go? Well, I didn't say what he did, but do you think he's gonna? Because I know in the trailer it kind of shows him giving the tesseract or whatever. Hey, see, I think there's is whoever he, is, it is, he, is, is he, in the Black Order is pointing their scepter behind yeah, him. I think he's being so. Forced. I think he's being oh, okay. forced. Okay, I, I, I was like, I was like, oh god, are they gonna make him be the bad guy again? There's too much back and forth there, and I think people got tired of it. Well, that's what they referenced in Thor Ragnarok. How whenever Thor goes, he's like, he's like, everybody changes and evolves, but you, you're just the same. You, you yeah, you, you continue to do the same I, things over and over again. And Marvel, unlike DC, actually listens to what the fans want in the yeah. movies. Like I, I mean, I know we've discussed about Thor Ragnarok and stuff before, but I, I really liked the growth in between the relationship between Loki and Thor. Yeah, and I, I liked his, I liked the character development. Yeah, we're gonna see a lot of the Black Order in uh, the the stuff coming Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. cool. Was, Super cool because they're not really fleshed out. Well, I think the, they only the, just got the, introduced the, to the comics very recently. They're like right? the four horsemen of the X. Well, okay, X-Men they're just sergeants. It, I don't think they it, have like superpowers. Is it going like, to be? They infin- do. Is but, it Infinity War or Miss or Captain Marvel where we're going to see the scroll? I think Captain Marvel. Is it is it Captain Marvel or is that who Thanos <laughs> is controlling? Is the scroll? No, it's the Shatari. And no, the Shatari. Is that who's it? Is that who it is in the? It Infinity looks like War? it's the Chitauri. Avengers. It's the Chitauri, but I don't know who it is under in the Infinity control. Uh, under the Corvus Glaive, I think Corvus Glaive is controlling most of them. I think. Okay. It, I think. Well, because was it was it Thanos in the first Avengers? He was the one who sending the aliens. Was that correct? Or he was just giving Loki the aliens? I think no, he was he giving was, Loki. The, I think Loki got the army from he, Thanos. He was in charge. Thanos was in charge of the guy who was in charge of the army. Right, which is Corvus oh, okay. Glaive, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because well, I'm just trying to figure out who the aliens are in the in the trailers. Because I know the 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 Kree are going to be in uh, shit Marvel, Captain Marvel. Is shit. it Captain Marvel? Shit, Tari. Just kidding. I was making fun. No, of uh, but I think they are in Captain Marvel. I, I thought I read somewhere that we're going to see the scroll at some point. I think in Captain Marvel. I thought. But then when are we going to see the Kree? Also in Captain Marvel. We see both of them. Well, because I remember the Secret Invasion. Yeah, but the Kree and the Skrull don't like each other. Yeah, I know. They're going to talk about that war. I'm, oh, I'm right. I imagine there's going to be some backstory setting up this, then Captain I thought Marvel's we were going to run into him eventually in one of the right. one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I wonder if it was sitting... I wonder if it was referenced real quick with... Because um, I don't remember, I don't remember ever, Del Toro. I don't remember yeah. ever hearing about yeah, the, the Tritari or whatever the hell they're called in the comic books. Uh, they made it up because they didn't have the rights to either of them yet. Of the Kree or the Skrull? Because yeah. I think it was... The, wasn't it originally the, the Skrull... Yeah, and they didn't. Fox they wouldn't give them the rights. They, yeah. they had to work out a deal right. with one of the companies. So, Fox, so, they, so they made up the Chitari. So you think they're just going to X out the scroll? I don't. Yeah, we'll see. Or they'll know. get merged, and the Chitari are a warrior version of the scroll, who or are more shit. of like the sentience kind of ones, like the sergeants. Or, the, and, or yeah. the Chitari were like an offshoot of the scroll. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A sect the or bas- whatever. bastardized. Yeah. Anyway, so on to Doctor Strange. Um, I did like this movie a lot. I did too. It was good. It felt fresh. Like they took, they made a boring origin story into something exciting. Visually stunning. Yes. The the rotoscopers on that film, I hope that they got paid so much money because can you imagine with all the kaleidoscope scenes, how much rotoscoping that probably took? What? I know I don't know what rotoscoping. Oh, sorry, is. rotoscoping. Like when people do special effects, the rotoscopers are the ones that take those special effects and they go frame by frame and place it back into the movie. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, it's what, a lot of work. What do you guys think about the controversy behind? Though, like the only one about uh, Doctor Strange was uh, what's her name's character? How oh, it was, it was, yeah. it was a Tilda white, it was a white Swinton. Tilda Swinton's character, a white woman instead of an Asian. I, I mean, I don't think it mattered that much because there were there were all kinds of ethnicities in that movie. But 
they were like uh, they were all up in arms because it was a white person. I feel like kind of honing in on the race is just a cheap cop out for people who don't want to like Marvel movies. They're not fans of the uh, franchise. They were never going to see it. They're just people looking for something I thought she to get did upset. The character very that well. was like the controversy with Iron Fist. Everyone's like, why don't you get to play an Asian actor? It's because he's not freaking Asian in the comic books. But with Doctor Strange. It didn't really bother me. I felt like it would have been more stereotypical to have an old Asian man playing that part. Oh, Doctor Strange! Yeah, do you think it would have yeah. been? Do you think it would have been like a little bit more racist if the Grand it Master would have been like Asian? like the Grandpa from the Three Ninjas? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tom Tom, Mister Miyagi. Exactly. Uh, so Doctor Strange, good. I'll put it in the. T- I would put it in my top ten. I put it in my top like maybe top fifteen, top ten. I mean, maybe my, I'd put it at ten. This is my top ten. I, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what role he plays in Infinity War. I imagine it's going to be a big role. Like he had a, he had like a super minor role in Thor Ragnarok, but it was I liked it. It was funny. Yeah. In in the comic books, I watched that chunk on YouTube. Is the only reason I know. Falling. You should yeah, watch for it for thirty man. minutes. Yeah. Um, in the comic books, anytime Scarlet Witch's like power goes wrong, like Doctor Strange is the only one that's able to see through all the illusions. So I think he's he's a big player. I want to see more yeah. Scarlet Witch, or just, I, th- or I just think Scarlet like, just without Olsen. without clothes, or either or. Okay, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, yeah, she's hot, man. Uh, all right, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Eh, I like it. I did not like it, just like you, nearly as much as the first one. I thought yeah. I loved some of it. But I thought the story was pretty drawn out. Yeah, it was, and I didn't that like. Could have been an hour and a half movie. And was it was like, two and a half. There was like hours, no yeah. seriousness. The jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy were funny, but some of them felt forced. This one, all of them felt forced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I am sad that Yondu died. I do. I did like that part of the story. Yeah, I liked that I liked part that. of the story. I couldn't care less about uh, his dad. The, the People's I thought Kurt dad. Russell did the good, I thought good job. Kurt as Russell character. did a job. I just thought it was not very well done. Rocket Raccoon. I didn't care <sighs> he about. He annoyed it. me the yeah, whole he was movie. Kind yeah. of annoying. He's just a whiny little bit. Um, I, I like the emergence of Nebula. Nebula is going to play yes. a huge part. I think because well, she this. wants to kill Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I like her I like and Drax. I think are going to Karen Gillane. Dude, in Jumanji. Oh yeah, dang. Yeah. But uh, but I do like the like that was a, that was a, a very serious moment when when he died or whatever. And yep. you know, he say, you know, just because he was talking to, to, to Peter, he was just like, you yeah, know, just because he's your father doesn't mean he's your, your daddy. daddy. That's a great yeah. line. That's a great line. The dude that plays uh, Yondu's... Michael Rooker. No, yeah. no, no, no. The guy he's that, so great in the, Walking Dead, too. The guy I was thinking that Rowdy plays, Burns in Days of Thunder. He's also, yeah, also uh, yes. Slither. He's the guy that yes. gets infected. Yep. Yes. Uh, but his the his buddy from on the Ravagers, he's actually... A, Sylvester Stallone? No, he's James Gunn's brother. The guy that oh, the, the uh, one the guy, guy who, yeah. who the guy oh, who inherits crap. the yeah. I don't know about you, Cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. Yeah, I think he's he's the perfect like fourth tier character. That's like oh recognizable, but is yeah, never going to do anything. Although it would be interesting if he took over the the well, Mohawk. Yeah, Yondu, yeah. uh super awesome uh, quill death thing. He's fun. Yeah, he's funny. That's a cool weapon. Well, I was reading somewhere where they like you know somewhere they could go after Avengers four. It's kind of like a preview, like not a, it's not a prequel, but like a before the Guardians of the Galaxy, like um, how they got there. No, no, no about the Ravagers. You know, remember oh, Stallone, Stallone's yeah. character yep. and Michael Rooker's character when yep. they first you know joined up before they yep. had that split. Yeah, they're talking about a movie about with like them as they like as the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like Stallone, like a, like a heist movie, kind of a, like, mm-hmm. or like an action movie. It's yeah, like Rambo in space. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, Spider Man Homecoming. I did not see this one. I haven't seen it either. Still. Josh, really? I heard it was pretty good, but I haven't seen it still. 
I wasn't that interested to see it. I liked The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, and I was really shocked. I understand why they moved on from him because of his age, but I like those I, movies in I general. Wanted, I didn't like uh, Jamie Foxx in the second no, one. I didn't no, too no, no, like, no. and I didn't like how everything seemed to be like synchronized to and it. mashed and mashed up with, yeah. with the Goblin and him. Yeah. Yep. And um, stuff I didn't like that, but I did like Andrew Garfield as he Peter Parker. It, I he, thought he played it very well. He played it well. So here, like with Andrew Garfield, the Amazing Spider-Man followed more closer to the Ultimate Comic Spider-Man. But then with Spider-Man Homecoming, it, it also follows close to the Ultimate Comics, but it takes a specific story arc that I didn't find that interesting, mm. where he's getting basically trained in super heroism by Tony Stark. Oh. And so I didn't... He's a funny character, and I like in the comic books, especially the Ultimate Comics, is that he he keeps messing things up, and he just has to learn his lesson the hard way. People don't like what he's doing because he's just making a mess out of things. Right. But in this one, every time he does something, he goes and has to call Tony Stark, Happy Hogan, and be like, tell Mr. Stark I did this, and I I trapped these bad guys or whatever, and I just didn't, like, that got really annoying. It got really annoying. It got annoying to me. Yeah, it was like that whole... I haven't seen it yet, but... Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But to be fair, Peter Parker is supposed to be a high school kid, and high school kids are annoying. Right. So, yeah, but... I don't so he's know. Playing I, it very I, true to I liked, I, liked, yeah. I liked how Tom Holland was. Uh, I liked the way he portrayed Spider Man in uh, uh, Civil, Civil War. I like that too. And I, I, I thought it, it was it a did, perfect appearance. I do for him. want yeah. to see Homecoming. I just haven't had the time. Or the, same. No, same. it's good. I mean, I I kind of want. I like. I love Michael Keaton. So yeah. I kind of want to see him. It, as a where bad does guy. this Where does this fit in all your Marvel movies? Kind of uh, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'd say like top. Is it better than Guardians of the Galaxy two? Yeah, it's a lot better. Okay, it's kind of, okay. This is how I this is how I explain it to people. Imagine if Breakfast Club were a superhero movie. That would be Spider Man Homecoming. All right, mm-hmm. I liked Breakfast Club. Interesting. So on to Thor Ragnarok. I liked it. I liked it. I haven't seen it. Jokes are a little a lot. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that, isn't that true to comic though? No, it's not at all. Not at no, all. No, okay. the, no. The Planet Hulk and Thor Ragnarok are a serious movie. So Thor yeah. Ragnarok is takes place. Uh, before Civil War, and it's called Avengers Disassembled Thor, and it talks about Ragnarok. Thor is basically trying to save his people, but in the end, he realizes it's inevitable, and they all end up dying. Post-Civil War, Thor comes back and rebuilds Asgard in New Mexico, in the mm-hmm. right near the town. And, and um, then the movie, they're going to Oklahoma, right? Yeah, and yeah. then... Wait, no, I thought they were going to Norway. I the, thought it was Oklahoma. Ragnarok? No, when he rebuilt, when, where, they're, where they're going after they destroy Asgard. I know they're going to Earth, but you said New Mexico. I thought Norway because that's where um, they Norse fa- mythology. Well, no, no, that's where they found uh, Odin. Oh, no. I mean, in the in the comics, because he, he he goes, he goes, he goes. This could be Asgard, where he's where he they're, they're standing on a cliff mm-hmm. in Norway, and he goes, this could be Asgard right here. Yeah, I mean, oh. maybe they will. I don't know. But I, I know you said New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, post Civil War, then Tony Stark sees is comes shows up, and he's like, "Hey, you can't." Uh, can't just build a giant ass kingdom here, and uh, Thor. At just, which point, who gives Tony Stark the the authority to tell you? Well, Thor just beats the shit out of him. Oh, because what because, he did? In, well, in the comic books, Tony Stark built a fake Thor to try to rally people yeah, the to his cause. Yeah, and he ends up getting blown up by the by some kind of uh, electricity thing. But yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Ragnarok. I 
I liked it. I, I I feel like Thor still hasn't gotten his due on screen. They don't really because Marvel doesn't like to explore the dark sides of these characters very much. No, it's got to be good for kids. Yeah, and so they Thor hasn't really gotten his justice on screen yet. And I feel and like there's a lot of Hulk in this too, right? A lot of it's Hulk. like combining two comics of the Thor that you were talking yeah. about and Planet Hulk. It wasn't Hulk. that much Hulk. There was parts where there was a lot of Hulk, but there was a lot of Bruce Banner as well, where it was uh, Mark Ruffalo, which I liked it. I liked Mark Ruffalo, and I thought he was funny. Yeah, and um, I like him as. Uh, yeah. Bruce Banner. I think he's yeah. fine. I, I, think, I, think, I think with Edward Norton, I think he would have... I don't know. There's something with Edward Norton. I love him as an actor like that, but I think Hulk, it needs to be not so center of attention-y. Right. Yeah. And I think Edward Norton would have tried to pull some attention towards him, and I think it just wouldn't have worked well he's for that too character. He's high, high caliber of an actor to be in He's a really high caliber of an actor. Like that. He would have outacted Tony Stark and everyone in the uh, Avengers, I think. Yeah. Eh. That's, what, that's why I think maybe, like you had said earlier, there's some credence to Benedict Cumberbatch being the new center. Because he can carry, he, he can carry an ensemble. Yeah. So I, I I I liked it still, but I just wish that they... It's I, my top I want to see one day, I just want to see before Chris Hemsworth officially leaves the MCU, I want to see them give him the film that Thor deserves. We'll see. You know what? I feel like this Avengers movie has the chance to be a lot of Thor. Yeah, I think this well, movie is going to be this upcoming movie they, is going to be a lot of Thor. The Russos said that his story is actually one of the most important in it. So if you, right. if you look at the trailer, well, him he's going to get the axe, getting the axe, and he has Stormbreaker, uh, right? Groot and um, yeah, Stormbreaker. I heard he's just rebuilding his hammer. No, uh, if you the because the Lego sets have already kind of ruined it. Like oh, it's the axe, Groot, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the axe, and Groot and Rack, Rocket help him get to the place where he needs to to make it happen. I read somewhere they were there where he's making he's remaking Mjolnir or whatever, but he makes him to an axe. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I I I I read somewhere that he was there. It's gonna be the same fucking hammer. He's just rebuilding it. It's gonna be a hammer in one hand and an axe in the other. Well, I just I heard he's just, he's re, he just he's going to a specific place that can rebuild it. Right. Especially where the dwarves built the um, Mjolnir originally, the space kiln or something. something gotcha. Like that, yeah. On to Josh's favorite movie, Black Panther. Jeez. I really liked it. I think we've kind of. I liked it. I didn't. I put it. I put it as number six for me of all the different ones. It was good. I feel like eight or nine. We've kind of beat this. Yeah, I I, I can understand. Yeah, we beat this movie to death. But go see it. I think it's one of those that's worth seeing. It's a it's a decent story. You can't say it's not a decent story, despite whatever media hype or whatever in five years i still think this is going to be one of the better marvel movies it's a good it does a good job of standing on On its its own own and not relying on past the only like drop from other movies in there is a winter soldier at the end of the credits Mm -hmm. call him the white wolf yep yeah that's like like with the black panther there wasn't like a there wasn't like there was no like big bad like yeah, Killmonger was okay. Yeah, he beat him or whatever. He wasn't like he was. The, I liked Michael B. Jordan as the character. Yeah, and, I think he I played think he a great, yeah. great game. But he, he was never. He wasn't like an over the top like villain. He wasn't, he wasn't intimidating. He wasn't over the top or scary. But he was tragic, and I think that's what yeah, a lot of people liked about him. It's, and it's a di- it's a different way to have a villain because a tragic villain. There's more people who would actually be like, oh, I kind of feel bad. There for just this was guy. no yeah, suspense leading up to the clash. No, I don't think so either. Right. Um, still a good movie. I'll no, it's still a good movie. It was fun yeah. to watch. It was uh, it was better than half the other crap out there. That yep. guy's with a freaking disc in his mouth was bothering me so much during that movie, though. Have you ever watched? Have you read like a National Geographic? That's Black, like all there is. Black Black Riddler, jack man. off to National Geographic. <laughs> and on that note, all right, guys, you we, could get that in elementary school libraries. Yeah, you can. Did research. Are you listening to that, kids? Um, 
God, I hope there's no. We're kids going to be doing a post uh, Avengers Infinity War breakdown from so the that, car, from the car. So that will pop up on the night uh, Infinity War comes out. So be looking for that. And uh, any closing thoughts here? No closing thoughts. Uh, if you're listening to us on the Podcast Radio Network, you can find this podcast specials, all past, present, and future episodes on podbe.com, podcast.com, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other podcasting outlet around the globe. You can also send us an email at topicocalypse at gmail.com. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Topicocalypse.